Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to First Time Dads. I am Richard Innes. And I'm Steve Mile. And uh, this week we have someone on who we can well guarantee that you're going to be interested in what this in what this woman has to say. Um, if you're listening to this, the chances are that you are a parent of a young child or have been a parent, and therefore have spent many a sleepless night um, looking after your child, trying to deal with your child. Uh, and the expert we have with us this week is hopefully going to be explain, able to explain why that is the case. Yes, uh, this week we've got. Sarah Ockwell-Smith, who is a mum of four uh, and a parenting author. And welcome, Sarah. Thanks for coming. Thanks for inviting me in. Um, now, Rich and I talk every single day about sleep. How's it, it going? Day, isn't it? It's every day, it is it's every day. How's day. it going? How's it going? Um, for example, I think today I may have told Rich that uh, Jackson woke up at half past three in the morning, which was fine because he went back to sleep. But that's I'm, I'm viewing that as a result now. Prior to having a child, being woken up at half past three in the morning and so viewing that as a result, I would not be happy <laughs> with that. Sarah, tell me, tell me, did your children sleep? Um, I think it depends on your definition of that. My kids slept like babies and toddlers, but yeah. um, I don't think we really understand what baby and toddler sleep is anymore. So, did they sleep? Um, yeah, the, I have four kids. The one of them slept through at sixteen weeks. One of them didn't sleep through till she was five years old. Okay, wow. and then there's a bit of a mix between That's all quite that. Quite a difference, between. isn't it? A so, difference. what's your sleeping through definition? <sighs> well. I guess to your listeners, sleeping through will be something like 7pm till 7am, mm. 10, 11, 12 hours in a row. Yeah. According to science, sleeping through is a block of five hours undisturbed. Okay. So that right. could mean bedtime at 7, you don't see them until midnight, and then you see them at 5am, and then you see them again at 7. So most people wouldn't think that's sleeping through, but if you read all the research, when they talk about sleeping through... That's the definition they mean. So that's one of the first problems. You know, okay, we're not talking right. about the same thing. So I'm going for, from eight till three is pretty good going for it's Jackson. Pretty mm. good. It is. That's like seven hours. Ben, ben does the same thing. He goes down. In fact, last night, Ben went down at eight, was up at three for a feed. He's still being breastfed and went straight back down and then was up again at half five. And then he was pretty much up. So that, judging by what you've described there, because to me, I was thinking, okay, that's not too bad. But from what you've described, that's actually fairly standard. Yeah, I mean, the tricky thing is we seem to, when we're pregnant, when we have a baby, I don't think we really understand how they're going to sleep. I think most people expect a newborn just wakes up all the time. You expect you're going to be shattered when you have a newborn. Mm -hmm. When your baby's kind of three to six months old, then you're thinking, well, surely they should be sleeping more. And your health visitor might mention, oh, are they sleeping through yet? If you look on the NHS website, they suggest that the baby should sleep through from around about six months. So that's what our society thinks. Generally, I would say in the UK, it's acceptable for a baby to wake until they're six months old. After six months, we think we've got a problem. Mm. But here's the thing. If you look at the research, at nine and ten months, and I know you have a ten-month-old, only about 85%, sorry, completely wrong around, about 15% are sleeping through. 85% are waking and feeding regularly. If you look at the research, the really interesting thing is we shouldn't actually expect them to sleep through the night by our definition, seven till seven, until they're at school. 
which is really? exhausting okay. and depressing and horrible. Oh. So why, why is it that we have this? Because I, I, that is astonishing to me. Yeah. Because I'm in this, I, and I'm sure this must be so common to you when people talk to you about this subject. I'm in that debate with my wife at the moment. The boy's ten months old. Should we be sleep training him? Should we? Blah, blah, blah. All the all the conversations. I'm sure you've heard a million times. So where is it that we get this idea Gosh. from in the first place? Where do we get it from? We get it from our parents, from our friends, from health professionals, from magazines, from books, from TV shows, from shows like yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just, I guess we don't read, who wants to read a science book? It's pretty yeah. boring when you can read a, a book that promises to get your child to sleep through in three days. Pr- yeah. True, that's exactly it. So yeah. we're busting the myth, anyone listening, that babies do not sleep through in the way that you think they're going to. And actually, if someone promises you that they're going to make your Mm. baby sleep through, you need to probably take that with quite a large pinch of salt. See, here's the thing, right? Nobody sleeps through the night, ever. Even as adults, we don't sleep in the way that we want our babies to. I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, think about the days before you had kids. When yeah. you could sleep if you wanted to, yes. you know, like there's precious days that you didn't realise how wonderful it was that you could sleep mm. and have a lane. How many of those nights did you every single night sleep through? Did you not get up and have, mm. a, have a wee or have a drink or shift mm. your pillow around? Mm. It's true. It's true. Yeah. You know, I woke up at 3am last night. I don't know why. Mm. Yeah. Just woke up at 3am, struggled yeah. to get back to sleep for about 20 minutes. Yeah. There was no... Well, no, certainly no child-based reason. Yeah. But as adults, we don't sleep through very well. Mm. We tend to wake up for, you know, think about why you woke up before you had kids. Mm. So maybe you were thirsty, maybe you're uncomfortable, maybe you're in pain, maybe, I don't know, your pillow had fallen off, maybe your partner had stolen the duvet, maybe your partner was snoring, yeah. mm. maybe you hot, were anxious about cold. the next day, hot, cold, maybe you're going to the dentist the next day and couldn't sleep, mm. maybe you're going on holiday the next day and couldn't sleep. There's all these reasons, physical and psychological, mm. where we wake up. And I suppose the interesting thing is that when we wake up as adults, you don't rate that as a performance. You don't. You don't. Have, that, that's not. It's, it's not, not a well done. Of, you didn't wake up yeah, last night. Exactly. It's Ooh. just that's how it is. Whereas with the baby, Ooh, no. if the baby sleeps through, it's well done. Well, a round of applause. Yeah, I think that well. might be changing, you know, because I think with people with like the Fitbit type wristbands that monitor your sleep, people perhaps are more aware of what kind of sleep you're getting. Because I know your colleague mm. upstairs has got a. Uh, a monitor which t- tells him this is the first thing he looks at in the morning how was my sleep last yeah. night because it gives you a nice little graph yeah. and so perhaps we are becoming one of the things more. a Fitbit shows you is that we wake regularly even if there's not a reason for it so if I could just help parents to understand one thing it's that we don't go to sleep stay asleep and wake in the morning even if nothing disturbs us we sleep in cycles mm. for an adult our sleep cycle so we go from being awake and we go through these different stages in our brains um, they're specified by something called non-REM REM rapid eye movement sleep and REM sleep and there are different phases so the non-REM sleep is, is divided into three further stages and we go from being awake into a light non-REM, deeper non-REM, even deeper non-REM. As we go through these stages of sleep, our body temperature drops, our heart rate drops. This is the, this is what the Fitbits are picking up on. Mm-hmm. Then we go from that into rapid eye movement sleep or REM sleep. REM sleep is our body's almost like it's in a coma, almost paralysed, but our brains are really active, so really dreaming, processing the day. And then we come back up to non-REM a little bit, and then either one of two things can happen. We can either immediately start another cycle or we can wake up. But a full cycle for us lasts about 90 minutes. So on your Fitbit, when it's showing you're waking up every 90 minutes or so, that's normal. It means you're transitioning from one cycle to another. For a baby, for a toddler, their sleep cycles are about half of the length of ours. 
So if you think for an adult, we probably have five or six sleep cycles a night. So five or six times our Fitbit might say we woke up. We didn't because mostly we probably just start a new cycle immediately, mm. but technically we're classed as waking. For a baby or a toddler, they wake up potentially about 15 times a night. So part of the problem is here, as adults at the end of a sleep cycle, if something is wrong, so all the things we said a couple of minutes ago, mm. if we're uncomfortable, if we're anxious, if we're stressed, if we just don't even know why we're awake, mm. we can fix that. Because as adults, we're clever. We can fix anything. We can yeah. turn off lights. We can turn on lights. We can take off duvets. We can open windows. We can have a drink. We can do some deep breathing. We can kick our partner so, if they're snoring. Yeah. Babies and toddlers can't do any of that. Yeah, yeah this is really so, interesting because uh, you just anecdotally, like Jackson, when he woke up at three o'clock this morning, Oh, I'm of the opinion that the reason that he's, he's doing these wakes is because he's thirsty and so we have water in his bedroom so last night I sat him up he was like half asleep I'd say and he had the biggest drink of water and then immediately laid back down and went back to sleep so it fits with yeah. what you're saying that he was like gasping but he can't get out of bed or out of his cot go downstairs run some cold water into a tap yeah. glass but and even drink. if you put a beaker of water in his cot yeah. he still wouldn't do that no. he'd still cry because when they're young they have this thing called a dominant response which is the body's almost innate instinctive reaction to something that's wrong so uh, the dominant response for something being wrong at that age is for them to cry. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whatever it is that's wrong, they're going to cry. Mm. Even if the beaker is right next to them, mm. they're still going to cry because in order to work out that the beaker's there, they've got a lot of complicated thought yeah. processes. Mm. They have to understand, I'm thirsty. What will fix that? Water. Okay, where is the water? Oh, it's right next to me. If I pick this cup and drink it, that will be okay. But yeah. they just can't do that. Yeah, yeah. So you, you mentioned as well, so you mentioned about the sleep cycles. <laughs> And about how a baby's sleep cycles is about half of the 90 minutes of an adult. That's so interesting because we got into such a pattern for so long with Ben where you time it the moment he went to sleep. Yeah, we wake up so we'd be watching him on the later. monitor and he'd go to sleep. And it was on the money, like, I mean, to the minute, every <laughs> night, you knew 45 minutes after he fell asleep he was going to wake up. And it wouldn't take much to put him back to sleep, maybe a quick cuddle or, uh, or whatever, and then, you know, just put him back carefully and gently. <clears throat> but... It was it was like clockwork. It was mm. like clockwork, mm. yeah. and it was so bizarre. And it's only recently actually that he's got out of that, and now he sleeps through for a, you know a good few hours when he first goes mm. goes down. But you can still see him or hear him. You know, there's the murmuring or this sort of slightly where you can sense that okay, he's at the end of one of these cycles because he's sort of coming to mm. a little bit. But then he's now at the stage where he just is able to roll over and go back to sleep. Mm. So we, so what can we do, or what are some good suggestions of ways to encourage them? Keeps to just start another cycle. All right. I'm going to repeat this now. I'm going to say to Jackson, whispering, just start another cycle. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you asked that because the, the aim isn't to teach them to sleep through the night. Yeah. The aim is to get them to connect sleep cycles independently. Actually, it doesn't help a baby or a toddler if they wake up at the end of every sleep cycle it, or hurt them. It is no benefit to them to do 12 hours and not wake up rather than 12 eight hours and wake up eight times. It's not deeper sleep it's not more beneficial it's beneficial to us because we're not so exhausted so our aim shouldn't be to get them to sleep through it's how do i get them to connect sleep cycles more independently mm -hmm. how do you get them to do that it's <laughs> almost indefinite different answers because every single child in the world is different if we had the answer to that we would stop and doing a podcast <laughs> yeah, yeah, i can yeah. give you some answers but you know 
I can't tell you the answer for your child, the, the person listening, because I don't know your child. They're no. all different. And every night for that child is different. Can I just say, sorry to interrupt, but I, I find that so refreshing to hear you say that because one of my great frustrations, both in terms of sleep but in all sorts of other areas, whether it be feeding or walking or teaching a child to do whatever it might be, this idea that there's a one-size-fits-all solution so drives not. me insane because it, what it suggests is that every child is the same or at least every child is similar to mm -hmm. a certain extent and they're not. Every child is different. Every scenario is different and I, I, I love the fact that every child is different. That's how it should be and that's why people have different experiences. So to hear somebody say, because it would be so easy for you to say, here are the 10 things that will make sure your child connects their sleep cycle. Yeah. And that would be so easy to do and people would lap it up and they'd buy your books and, and the, the rest of it but this is, this is actually honest. Is parents seem to think that there's some magic solution that will get their child mm. to sleep. But even worse than that, they seem to think that's something you have to pay a lot of money for. Yeah. So that they have to pay a sleep trainer hundreds of pounds to yeah, fit. You yeah, know, yeah. if that existed, it wouldn't be a secret. Everybody would know. Yeah. So <laughs> th there is no one answer. There's no secret success or solution. Mm. The thing that parents have to do to, before they do anything is to understand what's normal and in many ways accept it. So I'm not, what I'm not saying there is suck it up, you're not going to sleep until your child's four. No. But the more you understand they're normal, it's not a problem that your child has and it's not a problem you've created. And this is particularly important to first-time parents. Absolutely. I guess, because yeah. once you've had one, you've got some field of reference, I guess, and you know oh, it's, it's all right. You have, but they all sleep differently. Mm. Like if somebody has a sleeper naturally, because sleep has a very huge genetic basis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how you slept as a child will probably be how your child sleeps. You might have a genetically good sleeper and you might think, yes, I've nailed this. That sleep training worked or what mm -hmm. we're doing worked. Guarantee next time you'll get a non-sleeper. Or you might have the non-sleeper first and the sleeper afterwards. But infuriatingly every child you have will be massively different yes <laughs> yes which is in, in, interesting for steve because yes. you've got a second one on the way quite soon yeah well i've got a boy and i'm getting a girl so there's going to be differences yeah anyway yeah 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 <laughs> i yeah. guess um but i'm the, the tips you talk about i mean I, I my wife and i we did some sleep training the you know go out the room let him cry for five minutes go back shush him then go out for seven minutes you know for those of you who've not come across that technique it's it's tough. Is that and controlled think, crying? Is that the yeah, that sort of, it? sort of. Um, I think everyone does a slightly different version of it. But the ours was like you know leaving for five minutes, crying. It wasn't like screaming in agony. It was just like he was awake, and then you know go back, stand outside the room, have a glass of wine or whatever it takes to still your nerves. And and it, I say it worked. It worked after about a week but it doesn't work forever, he then regresses. And then you're like, well, if that didn't work long term, then do we want to do it? What it did do, or it felt like it did, is it gave, took the, psychologically it took the control to us. We felt like we were having an impact by something that we were doing. Um, so that psychologically it, it helped us, but it made no difference long term mm. to his sleep. And I've increasingly come to the view, I think, which is close to Sarah, which is that you've just improved the environment as much as you can that, that, that Jackson's going to sleep in. Make sure he's like well-rested, calm, nice environment. The room's the not right temperature. We've got nice sheets for him. He's in the quietest part of the house. And also put myself in the best position as well. Go to bed at a reasonable time and be prepared to be woken up. Don't think, lie there thinking, please don't wake up, please don't wake up, because 
you're then anxious and stressed and then when you go to him I think it transfers and it causes they and there is absolutely research that shows parental anxiety has a very negative effect on child sleep mm. the more anxious a parent is ironically the more the, well, the worse the child will sleep you, Sarah you were chattering at one point when Steve was talking there what was the bit you were chattering right. let me tell you why controlled crying doesn't work so it has many different names controlled crying rapid response um, extinction method pop in pop out you know whatever wow. you call it there's a move now in sleep training circles to move away from sort of cry-based sleep training because I think, hopefully, in society we're moving to more kind of mindful, evidence-based, gentle methods. So I think your listeners have to be aware that even if something's not called control crying, if it relies on leaving the child to cry, even for a couple of minutes, it is, whatever the sleep trainer has called it. What we know from research into that sort of sleep training is temporarily there's a positive effect as you found yourself. In the long term, and I'm talking even like three months later, mm -hmm. that child will not sleep any better than a child who was never sleep trained. It doesn't work in the long term and there is actually even research to show that children who were sleep trained in that manner, six months, 12 months down the line, actually sleep worse mm -hmm. than their counterparts who weren't sleep trained. So why might that fit be, do you think? We have to come back to what I was saying about sleep cycles. Why does that sort of cry-based sleep training work? So your child's gone to bed, they've woken up 45 minutes an hour later because something in their world is not right. I can't tell you what that is. They can't tell you what that is, which is even more infuriating. It's frustrating bit, yeah. But something's wrong. They need you to fix that, whether it's fixing the environment, whether it's giving them a cuddle to soothe their anxiety. When you leave them to cry, do you think that teaches them to self-soothe? So here's a question for the two of you and for your listeners. Mm. Well, that's that's the, that's yeah. the theory. That's the theory that, that you're you're working on. Or are you just exhausting them? You're just exhausting you're them. You're just and teaching them to give up crying yeah. out for help. So let's go back to Alice. So say they're too cold or too hot. Can they fix that themselves? No. No. <laughs> they're really anxious. Maybe they have separation anxiety. Maybe they've had a bad dream. Can they fix that themselves? No, no, you would have a superhuman genius baby yeah, if they could yeah. fix it, you know, do a bit of mindfulness or deep breathing yeah. or something, <laughs> and they just can't do that. What about if they're thirsty or hungry? Yeah, they can't fix that. They can't, can't fix, fix that. that yeah. So, you know, there's actually almost nothing that they can fix. That those behaviours that we were talking about maybe 10 minutes ago that we can fix, that's self-soothing, mm -hmm. self-regulation. As adults, we can do it. Mm -hmm. Can we always do it, or do you ever wake your partner? Or well, ask for help from I, I do actually tell my wife to wake me up sometimes because I tend to sleep through it, which is, which is really bad. <laughs> and I've actually, and genuinely, I have, I've had arguments with her in the morning. So why didn't you wake me up? But let's so say I, you woke up and you were really, really anxious about something, and your mm. partner was staring. Would you give him a nudge and have a little chat? Yeah, yeah I might say, mm. "Are you awake?" Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly that voice <laughs> I, I would maybe not nudge. <laughs> but even as adults, yeah. we're not as great at self-soothing as we think we are. Yeah. So we know that. It's just physiologically, psychologically impossible that you can teach a baby or toddler to self-soothe because mm. they don't have the brain development or the physical dexterity to do it. Mm -hmm. So when you do Kari-based sleep training, you're doing one thing and one thing only. What is that? Teaching them to give up. Teaching them, mm. if you cry... I'm not coming. I don't come. Mm -hmm. And there's, a te there's, there's something in psychology called learned helplessness, which basically works with all animals, not just mm. babies. After a certain while, they will stop indicating their distress. Mm -hmm there's no point they mm. stop crying because nobody comes mm. I don't think 99.9% .9 of people who do control crying understand this is why it works mm. 
I really don't. I, I know why they do it, because they're exhausted, they're shattered, mm. because their friend and their health physician have told them it works. So I'm not saying that all parents who do it are callous because they're leaving their child abandoned. Well, also, you catch somebody at the moment, like one of your NCT pals yeah. or someone else, and go, we've just done it, it works. Believe me, try it. And everybody, everything you read about it is like, People saying, oh, I don't because know why I tried this before. Why, why didn't we try this before? Yeah, and even like you hard. watch EastEnders or Emmerdale and people yeah. are doing it on there, you know, like it's everywhere. Yeah, so yeah. I think parents do it just simply because they're shattered. And I just don't think we spend enough time thinking, why does this work? Mm. So you can understand then why it doesn't work long term because mm. it doesn't fix anything. Mm. The problem, which are all those reasons why the child still wakes, is still there. Yeah, you right. haven't done anything to fix that. You've just put a sticky plaster mm. on the wound mm. for a little bit. Yeah. When that wound comes back, there's a really good chance that you've made that child a bit more anxious than beforehand. So that, Mm. in my mind, I can't prove because nobody can with science, but in my mind, that's why I work with thousands of parents on a one-to-one consultation basis. And I get many people who say, I did control crying, I did cry out, and my baby slept really well for six months, but now it's really worse than ever. Yeah, Mm. I wouldn't, yeah, I'd say that he is, he did go through a period where he slept through uh, and did, and I say slept through, what I mean is he went to bed up by seven and then he'd wake up at six. And that was like, you know... Uh, uh, you know, Manna what, from heaven, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think having tasted that, you chase it yeah. as a parent because you think, well, he's done it, so but why can't he do it as they get older, the sleep does get better naturally even if you did yeah. nothing. Yeah, and I think, you know, our approach now is uh, that he's going to wake up and I'm going to do... Can the, I say something about waking in the middle of the night? why it's really normal so up until about 200 years ago all of us adults and kids would sleep in a matter called in a way that we call polyphasic or segmented sleep okay so up until really edison or whoever it really was that invented the light bulb came along and we had differences like night and day and light and stuff we would sleep at about seven or eight o'clock all of us as adults Mm. we would then sleep through to about 1 a.m if you look up any history book or medical book from about the 1700s and the earlier, you'll find them referring to this first sleep and second sleep. So we'd go to sleep, we'd sleep until about 1am, then we'd get up, all of us, and we'd stoke our fire, because you know, if you go and sleep with a fire, you've got to get up and fix the fire mm. in the night. Um, we'd do some work, we'd prepare food for the next morning. What's really interesting in the history books is it refers to the period between the first and second sleep is a great time to conceive another baby. Okay. <laughs> we'd all then go back to sleep at about 3am, and we'd sleep probably till about 6am when at dawn. But we would, all of us, have this couple of hours awake period in the middle I've of the night. I've never heard of that before. It, it's, no, people haven't, mm. but it's just, you know, this is our history. This is how yeah. we all slept. So there's um, a man called Richard Eckert, E-K-I-R-C-H, who writes about it. He's worked fascinating. He's written a book on it. But polyphasic or segmented sleep is the human norm until two or three hundred 300 years ago. Yeah. We're not normal as adults. Mm. We sleep in one sleep. Mm-hmm. For our species, that's a really new modern phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Our children are still normal. They still sleep in the way that our ancestors yeah. did. It takes them time to learn our abnormal sleep patterns. Yes. And by time, I would say realistically three or four until they okay. stop doing that middle of the night wake. You mentioned the, the sort of the light and the dark thing and the importance of the light bulb one thing we then I'd be interested to get your opinion on this one thing we started doing recently so I make a real thing with Ben when I'm turning the light out so I, I get him to look at the light 
and then I say, right, it's going out now. So now it's night time. Now it's bedtime. Yeah. And that, and then I put him down in the cot because I, I, I put him down at night. And then when we get him up in the morning, we we were doing that thing, you know, where it's like six in the morning, and you're still kind of almost lying in the darkness. Mm-hmm. And actually, we we realised talking my wife and I for Twitter about this, but actually, if he's awake, he needs to know it's it's awake time. So now, even though it kind of blinds everybody, we turn the lamp on first thing yeah. in the morning as soon as he's awake because you think, okay, it's daytime now, we're all awake. Yeah. We we say that like say six o'clock in the morning we say anything after six o'clock in the morning or six after we view as the day has start if it's before that then lights still stay quiet and we still keep it quiet yeah yeah. maybe if he wakes up at like five we maybe bring him in with us but we still keep it low-key not like hi how are you you're right light is a really massive thing that you can do to help or to hinder sleep if you go back to what i was saying about there's this danger zone between connecting sleep cycles Mm -hmm. Imagine you're playing Monopoly and that like the danger zone is go and you want to try and get past go quickly and not stop. Yeah. So you've got to think about things in these danger zones that can cause sleep problems. Now, light is up there in the top three issues. Okay. So again, Good a couple stock. of hundred years ago, electricity came along. Electric light bulbs then were um, quite yellow in colour. So think back to our old incandescent yes, light bulbs before yes. energy saving lights came along. If you think we're going to do a really quick physics lessons now like physics yeah. GCC. so I don't know if you remember learning <laughs> about light I if you think back to when you were learning about light and colour spectrums I don't know if you, any of you ever played with light and diffracted it into different yeah, colours yeah, 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 okay yeah, so yeah. you have yeah. wavelengths now these wavelengths or colours of light are measured in something called nanometers all you really need to know is that, is that light is predominantly red, green, and blue. Mm-hmm. So white light doesn't exist. It's a mix of all of them. So when we see a light that is white, it's actually a mix of red, green, and blue light. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So blue light has a low wavelength, and it's lower in the nanometers, about three or mm-hmm. 400 nanometers. Green light sits in the middle, a bit higher, probably about 450-ish nanometers. Mm-hmm. And at the other end, you have red. Mm-hmm. The other end of the spectrum, you have ultraviolet, which is the other end of blue and the other end of red you have infrared yeah right makes sense yeah so all lighting that we have in our homes everywhere sits somewhere on that red green blue color spectrum what we know from research is anything under 600 nanometers inhibits the release of melatonin now melatonin is the hormone of sleep Mm. melatonin is what we need to release a lot of in order to sleep well so when we're looking at light, whether it's natural or artificial, our optic nerves through our eyes send a message back to something called the suprachiasmatic nucleus in our brain, yeah. which analyzes it a bit like you analyze in GCC physics. If that light is under 600 nanometers, it stimulates us to inhibit melatonin and release cortisol, mm-hmm. which is a stress, stress hormone, but yeah. also the daytime hormone. You yeah, know, we all need cortisol yeah, yeah. to survive. Too much of it's not good. But yeah. in the daytime right now, we're all releasing bucket loads of cortisol yeah. because our eyes are picking up the, the light that we're in either inside or outside is blue. At night, what happens to light levels? What would have happened 200 years ago? What, where would we have got light after dusk? Candles. Yes, yeah, oh, yeah. so where do you yeah. think fire and candles sit on that colour spectrum? The, the other end. Red, green, <laughs> or blue. The other end. Yeah. Red. Yeah. So if you analyse firelight or candlelight, you're at about 600 okay. nanometers. So what we need to know about natural light, firelight, is it doesn't inhibit melatonin. Fine. So we need light bulbs. All right, so let's go back to your home. <laughs> what in your home do you think sits over on the red or green, oh, sorry, the blue or green colour spectrum? Mobile phones. Sorry. Mobile phones really blue. TV yeah. is really blue. That's why if you look at your mobile phone when you wake up in the middle of the night, it's very hard to go back to sleep. Yeah. Okay. So screens definitely are, even in the night garden in CBB is really bad for sleep because okay. it's coming from your TV or your laptop mm, which submits okay. blue light. What else do you think in your home is bad? 
Most of your light bulbs. Mm. What room does your child always go in before the bedroom? Bathroom. bathroom so yeah. what light do you have in your bathroom? Halogen spotlights? Fluorescent yeah, yeah. old style mm. tubes? Halogen spotlights are the worst light that you can possibly expose your child to before bedtime because okay. they're very blue. Right, okay. So when you take your child in the bathroom before bed, you're like waving a big artificial sun in their face. So we need to make our bathrooms like some kind of, you know, aromatherapy spa. (laughs) Where it's all low, low, low light. Give me two seconds and we'll talk about what you can use. Now, in the bedroom, do you have a nightlight for your child? No, No, we don't. No, no, So let's imagine we're going for a walk in a shop and they've got lots of different nightlights for kids. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the most popular colour nightlight? Orange. Two colours. Orange. Red? Blue. 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 Why blue? Because when they do market research, what colour do you think is most associated with sleep and calming? Blue. So a lot of nightlights are blue or white. But white we know is still blue. So all these nightlights, even if you go into the bedroom and you put a lamp on and it's an energy saving light bulb, which is really blue, even if it's dim, it's still that artificial sun. Anytime you use artificial light, you cause problems. So I hope you're writing this down if you're listening, by the way. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I'm, I'm Dan Robert Dias after this. Yeah, yeah, it's all yeah, the light exactly. One more really quick physics thing. Right now, we need to learn from the International Space Station. Yeah. Because no natural light in space. Yeah. NASA, in the daytime, use something called non-blue blue light. So if you watch Tim Peake or something up on the ISS, it doesn't yeah. look blue, no. but he'll be exposed to blue light. But NASA have a lot of money, so they make it look white. Okay. At night, they get red light that's non-red that looks white. You can get one um, lamp that's non-red light um, by a brand called Lumi called the Bed Bub. It's okay. quite expensive. So for regular people, if you don't want to spend up in excess of £50 on a night light, what you're looking at buying is red light. Okay. So you yeah, look a bit okay. like you're growing cannabis or you're in a red light zone. Yeah, 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 yeah. However, if it makes like your child sleep, yeah, if, it keeps a, yeah, if it keeps a kid asleep, then yeah, happy So days. in your bathroom, my top tip is to get some red photographic filter. Yeah. It's about 99p a sheet. Yep. Cut out a circle, blue tack it onto your light, you yep. filter the blue out. Right. Or wow. you can use candles, but you know if you've got toddler, toddler yeah, and naked frames yeah, is not yeah, such yeah. a good idea. See, I would never in a million years have no. guessed that. Not in a million years. Then you go into your bedroom, you get a lovely light bulb that comes with a little remote control that changes colour. Yeah. They're about eight pounds. Yeah. Whatever light you have at the moment, put that in a lamp and use that instead. Yeah. When you're getting them ready for bed, have it on peach, dark orange or red only. Okay. And at night, when they go to sleep, get a little plug-in red light or go and get some 299 red fairy lights, battery operated, stick them in a jar and make a little light from that. Leave that on all night. It would be ideal that they slept in no light, but fear of the dark really starts to set in in late babyhood, toddlerhood. It's much better that they have a dim red night light on all night. You'll do this. Red lights. Christmas decks. Related to red light, something else that will really help is temperature. So melatonin, our sleep hormone, doesn't just react to light, it also reacts to temperature. Think back when we're in caves, we would have had a fire, but it would have been cold. We wouldn't have had thick duvets, central Mm. heating. Our bodies, when it's over 18 degrees in the room, inhibits the release of melatonin because melatonin is a hormone that comes out when it's dark and cold. That's so odd because you think, you know, the whole idea of being cosy, this idea, you know. But what you need to aim for is a warm body in a cool room. So what temperature are we talking? 15 to 18 degrees. Right, brilliant. In the room? In the room. Really? Central heating off before bed. Central yeah. heating doesn't just overheat, it also dries out moisture and humidity level is important. So we're, yeah, we're a always hum- in yeah. I was going to say, if it goes below 20, my wife goes mental and says, get it, no. What happens if you go to bed in a room with central heating? Not only are you too warm for melatonin, but you'll also wake up with a dry mouth because central heating zaps out all the moisture. Yeah, you all yeah. need a drink. Babies all need to breastfeed or bottle feed. Yeah. It's not necessarily the milk because they're hungry. 
hungry, they might just have a dry throat. Yeah. So humidity up, temperature down. This but, is rocking my world, this is. I'm, yeah. My mind is blown. You this need is to like, make sure they're warm. So I'm not saying put them to bed cold, because that's stupid, because they'll wake up because they're cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my recommendation in the winter is to use something like a three-tog sleeping bag, which is probably mm-hmm. a bit warmer than you have okay. currently, with a long-sleeve vest and long-sleeve pyjamas as well. You want them to be snug, but in a okay. cooler room. Which is why in Scandinavia, their babies all nap outside in like so minus five see, temperatures. We, yeah. they wrap them up Covered and then put them in the car, We've got yeah. an oil-filled radiator plug-in in Jackson's room, which yeah. we use to Unplug maintain. Well, we try to make because <laughs> his room Unplug goes it. down like if without any heating, it goes down at night to like you know twelve degrees or something like that. So we're tr- but, tr- but you just make sure he's warm enough with what he's wearing. Yeah. It's, my mum, my mum would lose her. I was about to use a bad word there. My mum would lose her mind. The idea, because you know, it, it, that's like the typical grandma, isn't it? It's like, yeah. oh, is he, is he got enough clothes on? Yeah, is he warm exactly. enough? Is he warm enough? Is he warm enough? My and wife's he, like this. Yeah. Make sure they're warm enough with clothing and bedding, not yeah. with room temperature. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that's interesting about bedding, particularly if you're talking babies, is we all tend to put them in these sleeping bags now because we think they're safer. Yeah. Did you know there's no research to show that they're safer? Yeah, we put it's them to in. Mark he's in a, I guess under a duvet. We dispense with the sleeping bags a while. Ago. Also, yeah, really don't recommend and a duvet okay so but let's do sleeping bags first of all sleeping bags aren't great because babies do what i call the baby burrito in them they roll over and trap themselves are and you, burrito are you themselves. gonna tell me that he needs to sleep under like an animal uh, fur because it goes back to how we used to sleep no i'm so not so we don't want them to baby burrito the, yeah. the biggest problem with a sleeping bag is they can't stick their feet out okay now, this is sound really weird and wacky, but one of the best ways to regulate our temperature at night yeah. is to have the ability to stick our feet out from under the hang yeah, 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 me too, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if we overheat, we need to be able to stick a foot out to cool down. We completely inhibit them doing that in a sleeping bag. And you'll find a lot of babies, particularly our older ones, don't like the captivity of the sleeping bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, the alternative of blanket or duvet is possibly less safe, especially under 12 months, it's definitely less safe. But... What's really important about a duvet is it's quite a mature thing to be able to control a duvet, to have it over yourself Mm. evenly and not wrap up in it or have it fall off. So I don't recommend duvets till they're four. Okay. What I recommend instead is a go. sleeping bag. Pens at the ready. It's really not. It's not a deer skin or anything. A baby sleeping bag that has fitted legs. Yes. And bare feet, so yeah. they look like weird oh, white umpalumpa types. Yeah, yeah. Like ben actually has one of them. He looks a bit like MC Hammer. Yeah. Am I allowed to tell them where you get them from? Go for it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's only two places you can get them in the UK. There's a brand called Slumbersack. I have no affiliation with these, okay. by the way. So Slumbersack do them for 12 months and over. Beneath that, um, Jojo Maman Baby okay. do something called a sleep snuggler that they start at six to 12 months. Okay. Okay. But they look like really like baggy. I've, no, I've seen them. They look like yeah. MC, MC Hammer pants. Yeah. But <laughs> so it allows them to have their feet bare. Don't go thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to be really worried. I need to put socks on them, yeah. which a lot of people do. Oh, yeah. Because you put your kids to sleep every night without gloves on. Yeah. You don't worry about their hands. I often put Jackson to sleep during the day, and I take his socks off before he goes into because yeah. we don't change his clothes. He just when he has like a little lie down in the afternoon for like an hour or so, he's got his socks off and that. Yeah, so sleeping bag, fitted legs, bare feet. The only time we'd put on... So I was just going to say, for a long time with Ben on this subject... I mean, he wouldn't go in a sleeping bag at all. He was even as a really as a newborn, you know, he wouldn't do swaddling. There was that he yeah. has always demanded his freedom for his limbs. <laughs> so we've always tried to kind of play along with that. So he wouldn't go in a sleeping bag. Obviously, it's far too young to have sort of anything over him. 
So we used to just put him down. I mean, my wife used to put sort of a short sleeve vest on and then put a long sleeve vest over the top and yeah, then we just lie him down on the, the sheet. Then the dangers are then that they get too cold. Yeah, so we just so. like lie him down on the sheet, but that was the only way we could really do it. And in fairness, that was in the summer, so it was okay. But these sleeping bags are literally revolutionary. Mm. Okay. Okay, interesting. Oh. Do you want another couple of tips? Please, yeah, 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 this is right. absolute gold. I mean, we're not really saying anything because we don't need to. No, no, no. This is brilliant. I'm just trying to so remember So the next thing all. we have to think about is that the environment is the same when they go to sleep as when they wake up. So whatever's happening in their room, let's say half past seven-ish when they're going to sleep, you want it to be the same when they wake. So there's a couple of issues that we have here. Often parents will sing a lullaby or they'll have an animal that plays a tune that the mm -hmm. child will go to sleep. So mm -hmm. that's great, it helps them to go to sleep. What happens 45 minutes later when they wake up and that music stopped? Mm. Yeah. So, so whatever noise they have... have made a yeah, which is know, which is great, one, yeah. but it needs whatever noise they go to sleep with needs to be constant all night to catch them at the end of those sleep which cycles. Which is when we come to Wayne Rooney going to sleep with the hairdryer on. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. White noise. Yeah, he in says that in his autobiography that he has to sleep with yeah. the vacuum cleaner on the whole time. So white noise is great for newborns. It's I don't really recommend it post then, unless you know obviously somebody like Rain Rooney who sleeps with white, that's not yeah, a problem. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at something called alpha music, which is very, very simple, repetitive music, 60 beats per minute, which is resting heart rate. Okay. Very, very simple. Don't go doing classical music or something. It's too complex. Ben always sleeps with, we have a heartbeat thing. So on my, wa yeah. on my wife's old phone, her old mobile, we just have that plugged in in the nursery. And there's an app, which is one of these sort of white noise apps. But there's one which is just the sound of the heartbeat in the womb. And, and it needs to be constant. Yeah, you know, the so worst thing you can night. do is buy an album and then cycle through all the different tracks because they go out, go to sleep to one track and wake up to another. Right. The very worst thing you can buy is one of these toys that is sound activated, that the sound comes on when the baby cries. Okay. You'd think that's yeah, really yeah. clever, wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, they're upset, so the sound comes on, but it's too late. Yeah. By the time they cry, they need you to soothe them. Mm. You need that sound on before they cry mm. to have the best chance of them transitioning independently. Interesting. Okay. So, so if you noise. are going to do sound, it needs to be constant and, and it needs thing. to be the, the same, same low level. Yeah, and I, I call it restaurant volume. So imagine you went out for a meal and it's background noise okay. or elevator music, like quietly, yeah, yeah. not loudly. Yeah. Quiet noise, but very repetitive we, all yeah, night. I mean, we, we have and all that as well. When he has his bath. You have what, sorry? Classic FM on when he has his bath. <laughs> turn right down just to kind of, and the lights turn down, we've got dimmer switches in the bathroom to try and create this, like, you know, spa type yeah. feel for <laughs> it. But the music as well, I'd start well before, so like if by the time you're reading the story or something. Yeah. Do you want a quick, couple of quick bath yeah. tips? Go One, for it, yes. the fewer bath toys as possible. Okay. What happens when you have a bath with lots Hyper, of toys? Hyper, Playtime. Hyper, yeah, 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 yeah. You want them to know it's bedtime, one quiet toy. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of other things about the bath. You want the water to be as deep as possible, yeah. as safe as possible, as deep as possible, yeah. and as warm as possible. Okay. So there's a physiological effect that happens when our body temperature temporarily increases a little bit. So if, say, the bath is 38 degrees, enough to just have rosy cheeks, not make them hot. No. It raises their body temperature superficially just a little bit, so that when they get out, and you haven't warmed a towel, this is quite mean, but they have a shiver when they mm. get out. That makes their body temperature drop quite quickly and that gives their body a spurt of release of melatonin, the sleep hormone. Okay. So really warm bath, cooler when they get out. So that's Scandinavian style, hot <laughs> sauna. Not hot, we don't want to So we're talking just rosy cheeks, not rosy skin. Yeah. But getting them warm in deeper water without with less toys in a room with no blue lights okay. kind of starts the scene. Now, then I would go straight into the room that they're going to go to sleep in. Which is what we do, yeah. Don't leave that room. Don't go and say goodbye no. to people or go back to your living room or something. No. Just stay in that room. 
think about um, a routine that's the same every night. So when I say routine, I don't mean setting your clock by it, obsessive routine. I mean doing the same things in the same order in the same way. So a great routine might be something like give them a little massage. So if they're little, they'll lay on the floor and coo at you. If they're a toddler, you'll be chasing them around the room. But it's the skin-to-skin contact, even if you're chasing them around the room, that matters. What do you think about books at bedtime? So books are really great. However, I would only have one book, and I'd read the same book every night, and I would not have books that have lift the flaps, pressing buttons, different sensory, because no, that's yeah. playtime yeah, again. We that's, we have that's exactly what I've been struggling with recently, and I've, I've kind of, because it, it's what he likes doing the most. So the, cause the way we do it, my wife gives it, he gives his last breastfeed because yeah. we don't want her putting him to bed because he thinks he's getting another feed. So she does the breastfeed, and then I take him into the nursery, and he sits on my lap, and we read a couple of books, and then I put him in the cot. Uh, when it's bedtime and he really enjoys obviously the lifting of the flaps and all that kind of stuff and so the pr- I'd move that before buttons. the bath I yeah. always recommend having a play particularly with toddlers playtime before the bath like right. at least half an hour playtime yeah, yeah. like yeah. crazy play loads of stories loads of books you know, it's really great for dads to do because yeah. they yeah. tend to be much better at crazy play than mums yeah oh very much so and throw have all like the lift the flap books and loud noises books then just before yeah. the bath but after the bath stick with one book yeah, There's a great. really freaky book called Good Night Moon. We love, is, I love yeah, it. I love it. That's which is it's strange, it. but it's about sleep. It's repetitive. It's an old and it's, book, isn't yeah, it's it? old. It's old. like 50 years old. Oh, but it's all about sleep and it Amazon. rhymes. That's, it's repetitive. That's what we got, right, Let's get a copy, bit of it we've got copies everywhere. So, my top tip is that book, the same book every night at the end of your routine. Okay. In terms of them going to sleep, I really wouldn't be scared about feeding to sleep. What you're aiming for is your child to go to sleep as calm and as rested if as possible. Little. Yeah, if they're little. Well, because, do you know, if they're older, then you have issues with teeth brushing, which are not a yeah, dentist. Yeah, I, I read talk something about. the other day, like if you give a kid, if kids get used to having food just before bedtime, there's some evidence that shows that it might result in eating problems later down the line. I need to come talk to you about eating separately. Okay, But if you if you're talking babies, I always advocate that they are fed to sleep yeah. I know in our society we seem to think the opposite we yeah, shouldn't we thought that we was the thing we had to stop doing because in my experience I can't show you research with this but I've worked with thousands of families if they go to sleep calm particularly if you're breastfeeding there are lots of things in breast milk which help sleep so lots of chemicals which really aid um, sleep hormones but if they go to sleep calm and they've had a breastfeed then in my experience they're less likely to be frantic to have a breastfeed when they wake up because they had it when they went to sleep not vice versa so I've worked with thousands of families who still breastfeed to sleep still have a bottle to go to sleep who don't feed in the night it's not something we should be scared of you know what you don't see tigers cows dogs cats worrying about not breastfeeding their kittens puppies and whatever to sleep they all feed to sleep and cuddle up yeah Yeah, I guess it's I guess with that it's your own uh, uh, comfort with that if you're happy to do it then fine it's yeah. if you want to kind of like go right and I feel like I need to have a bit of a break in the yeah evening. absolutely so, so if it works psychologically for you. again it's a lot of it's parent psycholo- psychology rather than the which child which is I, we shouldn't dismiss should we we shouldn't dismiss the, the importance of parents feeling like they have their own lives and that they, they yeah. are mentally happy and stable um, because obviously the baby has to be the focus but 
without a, without a kind of stable, happy, rested parent, then it becomes yeah. much more difficult. So what we're really baby. talking about here is for those parents who are happy to breastfeed or bottle feed their babies to sleep, and it works, they really shouldn't worry about not doing it. If you have a parent who, for some reason, mum can't be there to breastfeed sleep, or she's just feeling touched out, or if you have other concerns, then yes, do something about it. But don't mm. feel you should because you should never feed to sleep because you've heard all sorts of rumours to mm. say that it will cause sleep problems. Because See, it this doesn't. is exactly where I am with the conversation yeah, yeah, my wife and I are having all the time, and actually. My wife will be so delighted to listen to this podcast because you've said everything that she keeps banging on about. <laughs> do you so, know why? So because instinctively she'll feel probably yeah. that this is the, the right thing to do. Well, she, her point is, so I, I'm constantly saying, look, we need to get to a point where, you know, he's not having to have a feed in the night or you don't have to feed him to sleep. You know, we need to start. He need, We need to help him. My whole thing, and I feel a bit stupid saying this now, knowing what I know now, that my whole thing has been, oh, we need to help him progress and move forward and, you know, develop and etc 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 and her point is I'm happy to get up in the yeah, night and feed exactly. him I so don't mind I'm more than happy to do it two different groups haven't you you've got one where the mum feels it's instinctively right she's happy with it dad's perhaps a bit bemused because it's not making sense because all his other friends babies are going to sleep by, by just being put down in the cot and also you miss your partner <laughs> Yeah, as we discussed on previous podcasts, yeah, yeah. you miss that time with. Lindsay. And the other big yeah. thing I don't think we've touched on is, particularly if you're talking breastfeeding families, I find that dads very often feel a bit useless and left out. Yes. Like, why will my baby not go to sleep for me? Why? Like, why can't I calm them? I want to help mom and I want to do something, but I can't because they only want mom. Absolutely. Yeah. So for those, the best thing I can say is that playtime is absolutely your territory. You know, lots of rough housing, being silly, being you know, an I'm idiot, lots that. of loud. I'm definitely good at Read that. the books. Yeah. No reason why you can't do all the bedtime routine. You know, have a yeah. bath with them, getting in yeah, with. Yeah. Them actually tends to tend to be yeah, happier yeah. do everything and mum just does the really last little feed to sleep yeah. so really share it and actually often if you do it like that and have a really fantastic bedtime routine actually makes it much easier for them quicker for them to go to sleep so you do get more of an evening so do you think this is just me asking on a personal level i guess is what we've decided what we've changed doing with jackson is um mum does bedtime with him so we all do the bath together quite well and then it's like bye bye daddy and i'm like bye bye jackson and he goes upstairs he might do a quick top of the stairs like the corridor at the top of the stairs turn around run back give me another quick cuddle and then he goes into does books with mum mum does books he goes to sleep if he wakes up during the night it's me that gets up and shushes him and my rationale behind that is i get home from work earlier i pick him up from nursery and he misses his mum more in the night because he's not yeah. spent as much time with her and he's more likely if she goes in to go to throw his arms up and go mummy 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 I want to cuddle whereas if I go in he's more likely to realise <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's more likely to realise that it's like you know shh Jackson bedtime and he, yeah. it seems to work is there any if he's you know a couple of things we have to think about here which is for dads so many dads that I work with say to me I just why won't they settle for me you know why mm. why why is it do they have a better bond with their mum what we're talking research-wise is probably actually if mum's the main carer, probably the strongest bond's going to be with mum, particularly if they were breastfeeding. Yeah. But even if she isn't, that your child has known mum for nine months longer because yeah. they've been inside mum yeah. for nine months. Now, that's not a slight on you. It's not saying you're doing anything wrong. It's just kind of nature. Your time, absolutely, I can tell yeah. you, will come. In the future, maybe in two years, three years, five years, ten years, your child's going to prefer you over mum. Yeah. But I think the most difficult thing that you can do is to fight it now so be, do all the yeah. play do all the routine do all the reading have your specific dad laws but don't worry so much if they want mum more than you because I promise you it won't last forever it's really normal Yeah. in terms of missing mum if she's been at work yes they do tend to miss mum more which I know is 
I don't want to sound like I'm like a no, raging no, no. feminist it's, it's, or something, <laughs> but it does tend because the strongest bond is with yeah. mum. They do tend to miss mum the most. Life, that's been borne out by the very yeah. best thing you can do is to make sure they get enough reconnection time with mum when you get home. But that's evenings. I know when we all work long hours and we get home and we're shattered, it tends to be right in, feed quickly, bath, get ready, go to sleep. Yeah. If you can just add an extra half an hour to an hour and have get in, eat dinner make 45 minutes to an hour playtime yeah. with dad, with mum, really spend time to reconnect that is not dinner time, that is not bedtime, they are far less anxious about not seeing mum in the night because they've had that time to reconnect yes. with them. Sure. Similarly, if mum's been at work and she's still breastfeeding, it makes sense to let that child breastfeed as much yeah. as possible in the evening when she's home because that's their way to reconnect. Yeah. So you've got to have that time to reconnect. And we know from research, if your child is in daycare, so if you're working, we know it takes about two hours in the home environment for their cortisol levels to drop sufficiently for melatonin, remember the hormone of sleep, mm. to rise. Yeah. So if you're getting at home at six, you don't want to be trying to make bedtime until eight. Mm -hmm. right, and by bedtime eight. at eight, I don't mean that's when you go up. I mean that's when you're settling them in That's bed. when you're laying them into their cot. So you really need to give more time between getting home yeah. and putting them to bed. And that's, yeah, that seems to be working because we have given him bath time later in order that mum can spend more time yeah, with him when play. she gets home. Mm. That's and how also she does the stories, so she spends more time with him. And it does seem to work. And the trade-off is that I'm doing the wake-ups in the night, but to be mm. honest with you... If, you know, if your child's fine, and it's really important that what I'm not talking about is ne is that they should never cry. No. It's okay that they cry, but we know from research it's better that they cry in arms, yeah. i.e. that they're with somebody who loves them, that cares about them, that's offering comfort. Yes. So it may be that when you go in, your little boy's still crying, but the fact that you're there and you're comforting and nurturing and giving him a hug, there'll be a very different or, impact on yeah. his but brain. The, the, the flip side hands, to that, yeah. the physical contact. Yeah. The flip side to that, just from a dad's perspective, and I'm thinking of my own personal experience again, is when you go in, the boy's crying and you pick him up and you give him a cuddle and you're trying your very best to soothe him and help yeah. him and not only does he not calm down, sometimes the crying escalates and he's hysterical and that yeah. then is, and then you're in that horrible cycle because then you're starting to be stressed out, yeah. you're starting to almost be irritated so with him, which I is always, not what you want to be at all. What I always say to dad is you have to change your aim. Your aim is not to stop your child from crying. It's not to get that crying baby to calm down and go to sleep. Your aim is to support while they cry. There is nothing wrong with them crying mm. as long as you are there comforting and holding them. It has a very mm. different impact on their brain than if they were in that cot crying alone. Might not feel like it to you, but I can categorically tell you the hormones and the chemicals that they're releasing are wiring up their brain very differently. So even if they're, even even if if they're screaming for yeah. half an hour in your yeah. arms, it That's has a better. hugely different impact than screaming half hour in the car. Your aim shouldn't be to stop the crying. Reset that to as a dad, my aim is to support while there. they cry and be there. Yeah, yeah. So okay. it comes back sense. to, you know, yeah. maybe the best thing you can do overall to help child sleep and to help parenting in general is what you do with yourself so you know here i'm talking about self-care in order to get through that holding a screaming baby for half an hour that you know if mum comes in and gets a boob out we'll stop crying in two minutes <laughs> is you have yeah, to just you have to just think you know what am i going to do to keep myself calm and stop myself from getting angry and shout and just lose the plot and it comes down to all parents and I know it sounds like I'm giving more to do when you're probably exhausted already, is you have to look after yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, whatever it takes, you know, little little bits every day. So locking yourself in the loo for 10 minutes and reading yeah. a magazine, having a bath and shutting the door. There's a great um, app called Headspace, headspace.com, yeah, yeah, yeah. 10 minutes every day, mindfulness, yeah, going for a run, going to the pub, whatever it is that helps you to be a better, yeah. calmer dad. It's a walk for me. I get off the train 
um, stop early and I add another 10 minutes to my journey time but it's a walk listening to podcast or whatever yeah. just to give you that little bit of like my you know my space yeah. um, I toyed with the idea of going to like some yoga thing but I found it so stressful the prospect of going into a room for the women <laughs> doing yoga I thought, I'll just go for a walk yeah. I go yeah, to a Pilates go. class but I go to an old people's Pilates class so I'm not <laughs> okay. with all the really super fit people like, I like they're all 70 oh, and above I like, I like yes. the sound of that Pilates with OAP so you can so feel I good be, about yourself I feel really Next fit week, and light first time dance <laughs> goes to Pilates with OAPs <laughs> But you know, whatever it is that does it for you, you have to look after yourself and you have to look, help your partner look after herself because mm. mums are really bad at that. Mums tend to pull their all into their family mm. and feel guilty if they take some time for themselves. And sometimes it takes a dad to say, look, you've got to do this for you. Yeah. You're yeah. I, had to, I had to force my wife out the door recently. She was going out to have lunch with her friends and she was feeling yeah. so. She was actually going to, oh, maybe I just won't go. I said, don't be so ridiculous. You are still <laughs> a human, but you're still you. you still got to go out and be yourself. I mean, I can look after them for a few hours. So sometimes you know. it might be, you know, not forcing her out. Sometimes that makes them more anxious. That they yeah, and it did actually. Child, but maybe you go run a bath, put a favourite bath bombs in, yeah. light a candle and just say, right, go in there for half an hour and don't come yeah. out. Yeah. But you've got to work as a team, as a couple. Do you know there's there's a big reason why marriages break down after babies yeah. arrive? Yeah. You've got to take care of each other well, and, that's, and take care of yourself, and, and not be afraid when they cry. Yeah. You know they cry. That's what they do. I think, and that's the understanding, isn't it? It's like when you become a parent, it's not easy. It, it <laughs> but if you under, put, if you if yeah, but if you understand that and accept that it's not easy and that there's not a magic solution but you can put yourself and your child in the best possible environments for everyone to yeah. work together and really importantly you'll never go back to how it was before no you know this is your new normal yeah, yeah, yeah. stop chasing what your normal was beforehand yeah well it was talking nice. about that in the I past. think that's a nice summary I'm, I'm very aware that we have gone much longer than we would normally but I, I don't think we regret that for an instant no, because really. that has been fascinating I mean um, genuinely massively massively helpful yeah. I'm actually going to go back right now <laughs> and listen lights. to all of this yeah. and <laughs> make some notes and we will report back Richard yeah, and yeah, we've yeah. introduced some of this now Sarah um You've got a new book out, haven't you? Um, coming shortly. Yeah, do, you so do you want to tell us what that's called? I have a sleep book, if anybody's interested yeah. in sleep, called The Gentle Sleep Book. That's not new, it's a couple of years old. Yeah. Um, if anybody's interested in eating, which is a completely different topic we from will get into this anything in from newborns right the way through to 18, whether it's yeah. picky eating, only eating sweet foods, refusing all food, or okay. all wonderful things that toddlers do, The Gentle Eating Book is out on the 1st of March. Great. Well, if it's, if it's anything like the good advice that I seem to feel like I've got I, I'm re I'm genuinely um, reeling um, I am <laughs> sort of like everything I thought I knew is now I mean it doesn't end very often poor old Jackson is going to get God. home to what I can describe as an Amsterdam brothel look <laughs> <laughs> in his bedroom with the sound of like a heartbeat or you know, playing yeah. in the background. On that on that bombshell of an Amsterdam brothel in your son's room, I think we should probably end. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, as I say, that has been genuinely very helpful, really insightful, really, really interesting, and very long. My God, we've been talking for 52 minutes. Good Lord. Sorry. Right. No, no, that's fine. Believe me, don't apologise. Um, so look, thanks again to Sarah for coming in and offering all that advice. I'm sure if you're listening, you, you would have found that as helpful as we have. So, um, If you've liked it, yes, this podcast... Please do subscribe to the rest of them. Yes. Have a listen and tell your friends about it. Leave Share us a review it. as well. Stick it up know. on Facebook, tweet it, yeah. MySpace it, Bevo it, Instagram <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, Grandad. <laughs> All right, Grandad. Um, yeah, no, and leave a review on iTunes because um, that does help for various boring reasons. Uh, so, and also, if you want to communicate anything with us, any comments, firsttimedads at trinitymirror.com. 
Um, right, that really is enough now. So thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Happy sleeping. Cheers.